I just had an interesting idea. As I was kind of walking back from taking a quick morning stroll, I started pondering the question, what is the best Final Fantasy? Crazy, right? The cool part and interesting part about it is that you can't really have the conversation unless you can define best. When you say, what's the best Final Fantasy, what does that mean? And here's how I define it. When I say best, I don't mean my favorite. I don't mean the one I like the most. And I think that that is what a lot of people use as good and bad. That's not what good and bad is. And trying to use personal satisfaction and personal preference as quality is how you have a lot of these guilty pleasure lists. Guilty pleasure is an oxymoron. Um, or actually, I'll say it's improperly used rather than oxymoron. It's a guilty pleasure because you feel like you owe it to somebody to only like movies that are, or TV shows that are decidedly high quality or high class or what have you. But you still are enjoying what you're enjoying. And knowing that something is of a low quality and enjoying it does not make it really a guilty pleasure. It just means you just like it. So here's what I'm saying. And the best analogy I can think of is food. With food, you have McDonald's. I love, <laughs> I love uh, chicken strips from McDonald's, the crispy tenders. I love nuggets and a small fry. Um, I love the, um, uh, the breakfast sandwiches. Bacon egg cheese biscuit. That was my go-to when I was young. Hash browns, I love it. They're great, they taste great. I would never, ever, ever imply that they are good or better quality than a high-end restaurant because I know they're not. The ingredients aren't as good. The quality of, uh, of, of craftsmanship isn't good. They're mass-produced. They're um, not very nutritional on and on and on it's not good i just get that fun satisfaction i just like it this is what i'm talking about so when i think about this it's one of the problems that critics have and audiences have is that nobody both audience members and critics aren't properly defining quality first and using that as a criteria to um critique movies television shows uh, the guys from Half in the Bag are probably the best at being fair in their criticisms of shows and movies. Whether it's something that's popular, whether it's something that's not popular, they're like, well, it's good for what it's trying to do, or it's not good for what it's trying to do, as opposed to, oh, why isn't this kid's movie as good as Citizen Kane? Like, that, that's what I'm talking about. So, when I say best, I'm going to try and stick to the best best in terms of quality 
of that particular part of the craft. Now, that's the first general statement, but you can't just say, okay, in terms of craft, this game is best because that craft is broken into, down into smaller crafts, right? There is a lot of different things that um, can be applied toward what is, uh, that kind of make up the overall scope of what is good. There's storytelling, there's character, which is a kind of a branch of storytelling, so I'll probably have those linked together. There's music, and then that's even broken down into two smaller pieces in terms of atmospheric music versus um, tunes, like soundtrack catchy tunes. So it's like one, one, two different games might have great music, but for different reasons. This one has the best in terms of um, just like a score, and this one has the best in terms of tracks that you're going to remember, like those hit maker tracks. Um, then there's then there's things that are going to be uh, obvious, where like if you just said graphics, okay, well then the best one is the latest game. It's going to have the best graphics. Case closed. Now, if you're going to do like design, though. And you, if you take into account, just assuming that it's just character artwork, how they were designed, the designs of the characters, as opposed to just, is this one drawn better than the other? Which one has a more appealing or cooler design? Stuff like that. That's kind of what I want to get into. When I'm thinking, what is the best Final Fantasy? So there are certain Final Fantasy games that ha uh, I prefer there's one that's my favorite. My favorite Final Fantasy game is Final Fantasy VIII. I've played that one the most. I've replayed it a bunch of times. I love the story. It's the most like an anime. It's the first one where the main character is obviously introverted. And it's a very interesting, flexible um way to play this type of RPG game where it could have been very rigid it could have been super structured it could have been these are your options like in 7 or in 6 but it's not so that's my favorite but would I say it's the best? I don't know I think it does some things the best I think it does some things poorly I think it's has areas within it that are good where they start off strong and then they end up being not so strong. So this is kind of what I want to get into. Final Fantasy is iconic. It's in my uh, soul. It's in my gut. And um, it's like a tradition for American RPG players. Just like Dragon uh, Warrior slash Dragon Quest is a tradition for Japanese RPG game players. You just play it because you've always played it and it's the nostalgia plus the new plus a million other things wrapped up together. And you can't wait for the next iteration and you can't wait to see what they're going to do and you can't wait to see how far they're going to push the genre and kind of push and when I say the genre, I mean the Final Fantasy genre specifically. Um, I remember when Eleven was announced 
and everyone was hyped and we found out that it was going to be an MMO and we were just confused and we were like wait what so you're going to put 10 and then you're going to make a MMO I don't I don't get that at all because we were like I was like my internet connection's bad I'm not going to be able to play it I wish I could it looks like fun it looks awesome but I just felt left out so I never played 11 now that I got good internet connection, I got to play a little bit of 14. Not as much as I'd like, but 14's a great game. Now. When it first came out, it wasn't. But you, you, it's these moments that they feel iconic to us because they are. To the otaku uh, fan of uh, JRPGs, um, Final Fantasy is a staple. Another thing, too, is they're so anime in their influence that it's kind of uh, crazy. The characters are very emo. You have all of the different cat girls, bunny girls. Um, You have a lot of times silent protagonists. You have very powerful teenage characters who are fighting against the authoritarian system of adults and uh, one uh, historically androgynous figure which was very anime Um, it's just that's just the way that it's been that's the staple of it that's how the series has developed and evolved and so when the series developed in that manner it becomes synonymous with what people are anticipating and what they expect and then after a while what they prefer so I love Final Fantasy, favorite game series for a long time because it's dependable, you enjoy it, it's an adventure, it's fun, and you know it's going to be reliably well made, you know the music's going to be great, you know you're going to find things you weren't expecting, and then you're going to see those things throughout that you've seen again and again. So what is the best Final Fantasy? Well, let's see if we can figure out here together. The first thing that comes to mind when I think about comparisons with Final Fantasy games is music. Music is a tie that binds this RPG series throughout the years. Despite the changes, despite the differences, despite the alterations, the methods of play, the console switches, the studio heads who are involved, they always have had killer scores. They've always have had some of the best soundtracks out of any game that I've ever known or ever seen. And I feel like that is part of the main reason why this series is so iconic. So, where do we even start? The first thing that I would do in order to start this process is I would point out that it's not necessarily all uniform. There's almost an apples to oranges comparison when it comes to them. And I'm about to tell you why. If I'm going to compare the music of the games, I have to split it into two categories. At least I feel I do. First category I would call tracks. These are soundtracks. These are the almost like the pop music, even though it's full orchestras, of the series. These are the songs that are iconic, that people remember that song. That specific song was from that specific moment. That's one category. Then you have the other category, 
the which song which which title has the best almost like full-on score orchestra wise instrumentation music thematically etc that's what i'm getting at so there is a list of games that have my favorite soundtracks and i'll give that list on another day probably do it in a youtube video because it's not going to take tons of time i don't really need to elaborate but i'm not going to mention them here because i don't want to kind of like step step on it but as far as final fantasy goes a really cool theme man that's what really makes me takes me into the games without having to play them you can take the musical themes anywhere anywhere one of my favorite things that i ever heard was when people did remixes or when people were rapping over them like when megaran he did his black materia mixtape and he's basically kind of half rapping or just half mixing all these final fantasy 7 tracks and they're just super ill because the music sticks with you i loved used to watch i i, I loved watching video footage of people playing uh, Final Fantasy tracks on the piano or on guitar. There's the one guy, he did the boss theme for Final Fantasy 7 on the guitar when YouTube first started. Now if you go look at that video, it's got like a million plus views and he has his own little career. There was a group that I liked to watch and they were the, uh, I think it were video game, video game, uh, I cannot remember what they were called, video game cover band they were cool and they played a lot of themes from a lot of uh, Final Fantasy titles that I really liked that type of stuff and it's because they can only do that because the music is on point it's some of the best music around video game or not so well crafted Nobuo Uematsu I feel like we should be giving praise to him every time we turn on a video game soundtrack and we like it. He was one of the pioneers taking 8 bits, not even 16 yet, 8 bits and making great soundtracks. Saying, what would it be like if everything was epic and constant and incredible and precise and beautiful and eclectic? He's a genius. So, that's what I mean when I feel like this is a good point of comparison because it could almost go to almost any of them, but in my opinion, it doesn't. So let's, let's see. When it comes to cool tracks, there's a couple of games that have some awesome tracks, right? Like Final Fantasy V has the Battle of the Bridge song that everyone loves. And that's even uh, recreated in 12. It happens in a moment in the game when you're walking across this bridge and you're fighting multiple enemies, one after another after another, in this long standing battle. And as you're fighting them, the music is playing, it's this great track, it's this great theme. And as the theme continues, you eventually fight uh, at the end, the boss or summons named Gilgamesh. And the music is just high-paced and, and quick and intense. And it just kind of does something to you in your soul. 
that is one of the greatest soundtracks of all time. Now, would I say that Final Fantasy V has the best, as far as like tracks go, the best uh, collection? Nah, I know that one. Now, to be fair to the game, I haven't played that one. I've played the beginning. I've seen bits and pieces online. Um, I know about 50% of the music, though. So I feel comfortable enough saying, meh, doesn't stand out. Final Fantasy VIII, which is my favorite Final Fantasy, has a couple of tracks which are my favorite. Probably, um, I th- it's not called Laguna's theme. It's the one where you're playing as Laguna and it's his, it's his uh, battle music. It's that kind of techno... Uh, I can't remember what it's called. Man with the Machine Gun. Hey! The universe provides. So Man with the Machine Gun is one of my favorite tracks ever. Still listen to it. It's super dope. But throughout, it doesn't have the, the game doesn't have the best music. I'm not the biggest fan of the battle music. I'm not the biggest fan of the boss fight music. I like the... No, actually, the boss fight music's not bad. Battle music could be better. It just didn't quite hit me in the right spot. But... That's what I'm saying. That's my favorite Final Fantasy title and is not my favorite music. So, good music, interesting music. I don't ever really go back and listen to it. I'll listen to the Balam Garden kind of wandering theme when you're walking through the school and that's about it. And then like the seed song when they're just like planting stuff and it's just like drums. It's like doof, 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 doof. Like that's a really interesting track. That's kind of it. So, kind of walking around and listening to to, to collections, I'd say that it kind of comes down to a couple of titles. Final Fantasy VII has plenty of my favorite songs, but doesn't have enough of them. Even the one that everybody loves, the... um, uh, the one with Sephiroth, the big, long, operatic. It's impressive. I don't think it's as engaging for me as it is for other people. But the boss battle fight has great music. The, the, the special boss fights have great music. The, the, a lot of the towns have great music. But I find myself, when I go back and listen to some of those, like the um, that valley theme where you're going where Red 13 was from, I think. I used to like it as a kid, but now it doesn't stand the test of time. So, not quite. My close second place, I would give to Final Fantasy VI. Final Fantasy VI has some of the best soundtrack types of music ever. Ever. And... That's saying something, but almost every song is on point. That great 16-bit sound, that nice video gamey tune, but you have Terra's theme, you have Celeste's theme, you have, if you want to talk about a, 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 a music that thrills you about the antagonist, listen to Dancing Mad. That song is amazing. It's wild, it's random, it's terrifying, it's impactful. Ah. Oh. It's fantastic. That is some of the best music ever. 
Um, but in addition to that, I can put on the Final Fantasy VI track and I can listen to a lot of it. And I'm like, yo, this is great writing. It's like listening to some great songs uh, that you can listen to again and again and again. The themes get in your head, they stick with you, but it's still not my number one. So, my number one when it comes to just soundtrack sounds is Final Fantasy IX. Final Fantasy IX has some of the best, if not the best, just series of tracks ever. From the get-go, when you open the title screen and it plays that theme with the I don't know if they're just oboes or clarinets, but it's da 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 like that. I get chills just thinking about it. I love the music to this game. And you have Vivi's theme, like it's 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 bouncy, it's playful. It's so unique. And then you have all of the songs throughout the song throughout the series. Um, uh, I'm a, Snyder's theme is awesome. You have the theme of the two clowns. You have the music from uh, the main uh, fight music, which is pretty good. Not my favorite battle music, but it's pretty good. Um, I think the only thing I didn't, the only theme I I really don't like is the boss fight music because it's just that kind of intense sound. I like more of a fun, yeah, we're fighting theme. Um, I would go with that. Final Fantasy IX. Runner-up is Final Fantasy X because I love the battle theme. I think the battle theme is awesome. It gets me hyped you know, every time. But other than that, there's a couple of good songs where I'm just like, meh. But the, the battle theme carries me. And the battle theme, I feel like, is very important because you're going to be hearing it more than any other song. So it has to be good. So the battle theme for Final Fantasy X, I feel like, is top tier. So, that being said, when it comes to just the soundtrack-type tracks, Final Fantasy IX, I feel like, is the best. It's the, it's the one I listen to the most. It's the one I can play from t- start to finish. It is the one that I feel like, if I go to any town in the game... I'm going to like the music. Something about him recreating that kind of 16-bit magic, but with 3D polygons and doing that classic vibe really lightened something up in Nobuo Uematsu. And I feel like that was the game that allowed him to just create those memorable, memorable scores. I mean, seriously, think about... I can name another one. When they were fighting, um, when he was doing that performance fighting in the beginning where you have to try to get the applause from like the entire audience a hundred out of a hundred people like you and you're doing the play fighting that music is incredible it sounds like it has like the flamenco clapping and some other stuff um god i feel like there's just so much when it comes from this game but i don't want to linger because the next part i'm going to do kind of part two of the music where i'm going to talk about which of them had a big uh, orchestral score. So soundtrack-wise, I'm giving it to nine. But as far as the score goes, I'm going to give you that list right after this. The second type of music in Final Fantasy games is orchestral. It's 
the cinematic style score something which they couldn't originally do in the earlier titles so this list by nature more than likely isn't going to include much from the old Final Fantasy games like Final Fantasy 1, Final Fantasy 2, Final Fantasy 3 somewhat in 6 because I feel like they were able to make some orchestra moves uh, when they started to really lean into the 16-bit era especially with some of the um, themes that they had for uh, Kefka. Dancing Mad is that wild um, organ, piano, slash crazy instrumentation piece. That one is it's special. But most of the others, because of the nature of the limitations, they couldn't quite do everything that they wished they could do. So the orchestra really kind of came into play in the PlayStation era. When they had those discs and they could start putting in MP3s. And those weren't CD quality stuff in terms of how we are now. They were still a little um, imperfect, but they were beautiful. They were breathtaking. They were full and vibrant. And the music got different. They could do more. Now... That being said, Final Fantasy VII I would not put on that list because I think as far as the scope and the, the vibe and the energy, they were still in that mindset of we need to make these singles for the locations of what's going to display. So you have a theme for Cloud. You have a theme for... Uh, the golden saucer you have a theme for the underground you have a theme for Eris but even though others other games the themes were named after locations or places they didn't feel like those small single one-off themes they were expansive they were large Final Fantasy 8 that's the first title on this particular list Eight is special. Eight is on my, it's my favorite Final Fantasy title. I don't think it has the best score, but it definitely has one of the best. When I think about atmosphere, when I think about mood, when I think about just how the music guides the moments, guides the, the, the methodology of play I think Final Fantasy 8 from Balam Garden to being out when you step onto the world map for the first time which happens very very early you know what even before that you know that there is a real orchestra at work during the opening cinematic cutscene the opening cinematic cutscene is so well done it's so ethereal, it's so big in scale and size and scope, it's so memorable that people still watch it, talk about it to this day. So, you know in that moment when Squall is fighting Cypher that there's more to this title in terms of depth than would be anticipated. 
there's more to this title in terms of breath, scope, energy, the layers of instrumentation and instrument sections that are kind of woven together, they can do more. Now they already have one game on a disc, on three discs that they are used to. So now they're like, hey, we know how to work these discs. We're about to do something. We're about to go even crazier. Um, Ultima Sia's castle is a lot of more orchestra themes. It's more of those organ playing piano, big, crazy, wild stuff. The uh, Even the boss fights. The music from the boss fights, it's bigger. It's more... It's more cinematic. Now, you do get the occasional theme, like I told you with... Like I told you with um, Laguna's theme. I blink on that every time. Man with the Machine Gun. That's more, like, thematic. That's more, like, this is a catchy song. But... The other songs, they're so just big and expansive and they spread across the world and you feel like you're in a location. You feel like you are in a place. You are part of this universe as opposed to just seeing little bits and pieces and hearing the songs that kind of stem from it. So, I would put Final Fantasy VIII, maybe he's number three or maybe even number four. Um, above it, I'm thinking, I'm thinking Final Fantasy XIV. I really am. And it's probably higher. I feel like fourteen would probably maybe even be the top. But I don't know it enough. And so that's on me. That's kind of my fault. But I know, from what I know and what I've listened to, it's got some amazing music. <laughs> now, I played fourteen up to a point... Uh, I had downloaded the free trial uh, for the computer and I was playing through it and I was loving it. I was a dragoon and it was the first time I felt like I was really a part of the Final Fantasy world on my own. The weight of the world is not on my shoulders. I mean, yeah, there's the story mode and you can kind of do it and everything, but I was just exploring and doing stuff and the, the fighting was actually fun to do. My biggest complaint with MMOs is that the fight mechanics are so boring. And I think it has something to do with when you have turn-based combat, in the beginning it's slow because you have one character. But when you get multiple, it doesn't feel slow because you're always setting something up for other characters, so it moves. But when you take it back and you have one character and that one character has a list of spells and cooldowns, it feels slow again. So the combat mechanics and most MMOs bore me to tears. However, this mechanic, you can play it with your PlayStation controller and it's action-based, kind of. It's like time battle with some action. I loved it. I love that combat. Final Fantasy XIV is fun to play. It's big, it's expansive, and the music is lush and rich. Um, let me tell you the brief moments where I ended up. In the opening town, of course, that was cool. I was one of the 
characters with the cat ears where we're in these lush tree environments and every little section it blended slightly different from the section that preceded it so you're not even talking about one particular individual score for that whole town it was multiple music threads that kind of had to blend and work together depending on the situations and the circumstances two i ended up in this random desert city for some reason i don't know how i got there and fighting these giant uh i think they were moles with like explosion explosives on them uh that had its own cinematic vibe to the music and feel and just wandering and exploring it was wonderful so the music on that i want to say is going to be my number either number two i'll say number two i'm only going to pick three three titles because when it comes to best score music those are really the only three that stand out uh runner-up is probably final fantasy 4 i feel like that one it feels more cinematic than the others in particular the remake uh, the remake of four is really awesome i'm talking about the one on the nintendo 3ds where you could then at the bottom of the screen draw designs to go on uh, i think your moogle dolls and stuff like that that one i feel like the music had some more layers and some more depth uh, but it is not quite on the list so my number one in terms of score and orchestra is going to be final fantasy 12. this game is one of my favorite games it's one of my favorite final fantasies if not my second favorite but it is very imperfect game the story in particular leaves much to be desired there was some issues in the beginning when they were setting up the game of how who the protagonist was going to be originally it was going to be bash and he's this ex-soldier he's older he's like in his like late 30s or 40s he's older guy and so it was going to be him a fallen soldier and you're going to follow his story along but they did their own internal market research and they decided or i guess they just declared that kids don't want to play a game where the main character is old so we're going to make a new main character someone who's a teenager that they can relate to and that's what happened with vaughn so they inserted vaughn into the story and gave him a sidekick kind of named pinello and his story ended up being about going to find out what his story might possibly be in the future. So basically, he's kind of just tagging along. So, you have his story and the real story is happening all around him, but he's not really participating in it. He's just kind of there. Uh, in addition to that, they didn't really make him a very likable character. He's kind of random. He's kind of um, young-minded. He's kind of all over the place. So, that kind of pulled from it in terms of story-wise. Um, after that, people had some issues with the way that the... Um, fighting battle system was set up the it could be automated essentially where you have presets of what you want that to happen so when the certain actions are taken the character reacts based on those actions you know if then statements basically but playing out in visual form 
visual format. So, a lot of people didn't like the fact that it felt like they weren't doing anything. Where the characters, you could set them to attack, heal, attack, heal, attack, heal, and that's kind of what they would do if they needed to, as opposed to just because. So, that didn't play out super well for everybody. A lot of people didn't like it. But the one thing that most everybody agreed on, that most everybody said, yes, yes, this works, was the music. The music in 12 is amazing. It's beautiful. It's breathtaking. And it is not Nobuo Uematsu. 12 got a new composer whose name escapes me at the moment. I'm going to have to start doing this podcast with a laptop around (laughs) nearby because there's so many little pieces of information that I can't remember off the top of my head. Like, I don't take notes. I don't write a list of what I'm going to talk about. I have sort of a general idea and I just kind of go. So when we get to moments like this, I'm like, huh. I wish I had the composer's name, but I know that a quick Google search on your end, you'll be able to pull that name so easy. So, Final Fantasy XII's music. It's so cinematic. It is reminiscent of other big movie scores that you just hit home. Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Superman, all of those movies that kind of have a special place in people's hearts. This this game in a lot of ways emulates. And what's so funny is that there are actually scenes in 12 that fully remind me of Star Wars basically because of the music the way the music plays out and vibes and adds and whole transitions between things you get the sense that this is uh, Star Wars world but it's not and a lot of it is just because that's how they set the game up they made it to where it is um, you know these outside rebels against a big powerful empire there's a lot of almost like weird techno-y vibe so it looks a little bit futuristic even though people are using swords and shields stuff like that i mean it's always so funny to me how in these titles people use swords and shields and guns and they all kind of do the same bits of damage and they all kind of do the same uh percentages or i guess the same what do you call it level of damage even though that's not really how it works but in this world it does that's how it is so with those particular titles and this particular title i would say this is the best score the reason is it 140 percent gives you the vibe that it's blending into the background and popping out when it needs to it's ambi- it's um, ambiance when it has to be, but then it's on the forefront driving the pace of the story when it needs to be. It's so well done and so well integrated that it's the tether that almost pulls the characters along when there's nothing else to go on. Certain areas in the game really pop just because of the musical score. I can think of a few things. Giza Plains, that score is incredible. It's driving, it's intense, it's vibrant, it's heavy. And when it hits at the right time, when you fight the right giant enemy, you feel the weight of the world in front of you as that's what you're, that's what you're fighting against. That's the, the combat is against. 
So that, and there's, a, there's one or two temples where the score is just in, incredible too. But it's things like that. That is what I'm talking about when I say that this is the, the title that has the best when it comes to the, the cinematic score type music. So when it comes to music, I give the single slash individual track, uh, I give that to Final Fantasy IX, I give the score to Final Fantasy XII. So what other segments, what other bits and pieces are we going to talk about when it comes to who and what is the best Final Fantasy game? Well, stay tuned. Um, There's one that we have to get in, which we haven't, and you already know what it's going to be. And there's another, which we might get into. One of them is is super important because everybody judges it. We've touched on it a little bit here. Another one is not. So... (laughs) <laughs> and I'm going to try my best to be objective about the first one. I'm going to get right into the first one because I think that one is the obvious one. Um, yeah, so when we come back, we're going to talk about which game within the Final Fantasy series has the best combat. Stay tuned. Please note that due to the limitations of the human brain and the human experience, the list is not going to be exact and where some people may have other additions and view the things added as incomplete or imprecise note that this is just one man's opinion who has not played every single title however due to the limitations and due to the love of the game this is the list to the best of his knowledge this has been a disclaimer there used to be this ongoing argument between gamer fans it was in regards to combat systems battle systems and whether the turn-based system was actually good or if it actually was in fact bad now obviously your uncle Hokage is you would think in the category of turn-based is good because I love so many turn-based games love Final Fantasy love Chrono Cross love um, Breath of Fire I love Alterior Iris Mana of El Rey which uh, I played the hell out of that game but you get what I'm saying turn-based combat is cool to me and yet there are games where turn-based combat has not appealed and it's been kind of dry South Park, Stick of Truth. Didn't really care. Probably because I didn't get into it, but I still have it on my Steam account, so maybe I will play through it. But I don't have a preference. If it's fun, it's fun. So stating that at its core, at its essence, that turn-based combat is just going to be bad or good all the time seems pointless it just sort of is and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't or you don't prefer it or you do prefer it and that's I feel like where myself and certain individuals differ as opposed to people who just want to complain on the internet which you know for a lot of people is a pastime so turn-based combat it, it, it's not for everybody. It's 
not even for those who love it all the time. Sometimes you want to do some action combat. Sometimes you want to play some Street Fighter. And me having just come from um, Gaming Expo the other day uh, in Irving Convention Center, that's fighting game stuff. Man, it was a great time. But once again, that's for my next podcast. So I really like turn-based combat for a lot of reasons. One of the reasons is that it makes a slow process. It slow no no, it slows down the process of a fight. And it turns instances into moments, moments into events, and those events into wonderful savory bits of Angus steak. And you can kind of take your time and swish your wine in your glass and just kind of indulge in this wonderfully elaborate thing that could not exist in another form. Because think about this, if you don't mind. If you're playing a fighting game and you are playing an action game or you are playing a... Name a first-person game. The action is determined in the moment by the f- uh, dexterity and/or fidelity of the person controlling the character. So, if I'm playing Street Fighter Alpha, if I'm so lucky, I have to do down, down, forward, forward. B in order to shoot a fireball. The action is dependent upon my skill set. Uh, if I want to, oh, if I want to um, calm a set of enemies right before I get attacked, I have to use the right shout in Skyrim at the right moment when the enemy is in the right location. It's dependent upon my skill set. But what's interesting, what's really interesting and unique is when it comes to RPGs, the combat, for most of them, when then, well, with turn-based, we'll say, with turn-based, the combat isn't skill-dependent. It's almost like preparation-dependent. And that frustrates a lot of people because they want to just have the moment and the movement and everything be coincided with what's happening and they feel like it's stupid that well I press B he doesn't just swipe his sword I have to sit there and I have to take a hit why can't I dodge but it's almost like it's almost like you're you're setting the stage and directing the action for the film as it's occurring. And what do you want to see? What do you want to occur? And so you almost become this like inviting, invasive, like film director, as opposed to a participant in the film. And that is the appeal in my opinion. So if that's not what you want to do, if you don't want to be a director, but you want to be an actor, then you may not enjoy turn-based combat. But if you like to slowly indulge, if you like to put pieces together on the board and watch how they interact and move, then this may be for you. 
that's why I like it. Um, and then it's diff there are different variations, of course, like the one for Pokemon is more one-on-one -on -one combat um, with a, a couple of other things with a whole, its own unique skill set. But for the most part, it's your series of heroes on one side of the screen, the villains on the other side, and then you just decide what action each character is going to take based on a series of... Uh, based on a subset of, or skill set that they might potentially have and the combat system in the Final Fantasy game is so important that it can make or break a title in players' eyes. For example, controversial game Final Fantasy 13. A lot of people don't like it. A lot of people said it doesn't feel like the type of game they want to play. It feels too linear, that the combat feels unnecessarily complex, that the, the, the system doesn't quite give them the control or the flexibility or other things that they feel like they were looking for, that they wanted. So 13, I'm not a fan of. I haven't even finished it, but I was very excited when I purchased it. So for me, the excitement of A, a new title, a new uh, Final Fantasy title was huge. But when I actually sat down and played it, the combat was too complex for my liking. Meaning the actions had like a little strategic sub game going on beneath the ordinary actions which is not something I was useful used to so I couldn't just perform the actions that I wanted consequences uh, were um, pre-described I had to achieve certain smaller feats before the actions would take effect to the extent that I would desire and so it was a lot of uh, playing a game of rock, paper, scissors inside a game of rock, paper, scissors inside a game of rock, paper, scissors which is probably the best analogy I can give now some people like that they liked how it went a little bit more in depth didn't suit me but then you have games like Final Fantasy 8 where the combat is so flexible where you can kind of have your characters have any subset at least of the magic in the guardian forces that you want now they they still have their own internal like limit breaks and special moves but the actual like how you set them up how they achieve their um i guess their uh, levels is up to you and what's so cool about it and frustrating is that all you got to do is have the appropriate amount of magic. And the more... Now, magic was, you know, you have it as a number. One is the lowest. 99 is the, hundred, is, the, is the most. So if you have 99 fire, you can cast fire 99 times. However, you would take the actual magic in your, syst in your system and you apply it to different... Uh, stats and attributes so um, if you apply 
something, your fire to your strength, you increase strength. And the more fire you have, the more, the higher percentage of the increase. So obviously the optimum thing to do is to get 99 fires and apply them to your strength. And now your strength is uh, exponentially increased by a factor of 99 fires. Now, this is where the controversy occurred. In order to get the 99, you had to sit and draw magic from enemies or from the, the world. There would be points around the world where you could stand and then just extract the magic you wanted. And it was like a dice roll. So you might get one fire, you might get nine. Um, more than likely you're getting two to five. Two, three, one, two, three, one. Oh, seven. I think actually seven might be the max. But because of that, if you were patient, you could sit and if you found a really unique spell, so the more powerful the spell, the better the attribute. So if you found like Meteor, which is one of the most powerful spells in the game, you just sat and just drew it and drew it and drew it until you had 99, whatever you applied that to is gonna be an incredibly powerful statistic for your character. And that's the frustration because drawing that could take hours. Finding enough of it could take hours. So it's eating away at the player's time. So the preparation part is the worst for a lot of people. But for uh, people who sat through it and had the patience to do it, your characters would get wonderfully powerful and you would feel that kind of cool satisfaction from what you were able to kind of accomplish, right? So everything is different. That was that combat system. Now, Final Fantasy Twelve was even more flexible because every character could literally do everything. One of the cool things that I liked about it was how much freedom it gave the player. So anybody could summon, anybody could use any weapon, anybody could do anything, and that's what I liked. They have the Zodiac Age version, which has some restrictions, so characters have pre-described pathways. I'm not a fan of that. I like choosing my own destiny for every single character because it made it feel like it was my game. More choices for me, the better. A lot of people don't like that. They let the narrow, restricted, in, in Final Fantasy IX, this is what Garnet can do. This is what Zidane can do. This is, the, this is what Vivi can do. He can only do magic. He can only cast black magic. Not red magic. Not blue magic. Black magic. And that is the difference. So, after all of those like variations and differences, and um, you have your traditional ones like Final Fantasy VII and, and, and VI, where it had the little button inputs for depending on the character, so forth and so on, then the question arises, which of these is the best? Which combat systems stand above the rest? Now, I already know this is gonna be my most controversial point because they all for the most part have a lot of positives so in a lot of ways uh, there's probably going to be some bias in my statements however I'm going to say for what they were trying to do these are the ones that I feel like were executed the best so um, I would have to say that in the number three or the third slot. I'm going to uh, go ahead and put, I'm gonna say, no, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say four. 
No, 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 no. I'm gonna say six. I'm gonna say six and here's why. Um, because it did something unique within the traditional. Six did something where it took the traditional, but then it added these little elements where you could do just a little bit more. Where when you had like the fighter character, um, you could do your combination super street fighter movesets in order to do some more damage. Um, each character had their own slight differentiation, slight special abilities, slight advancements, which really added some dope elements to the way you played the game. So I would say that one is my number three, not my favorite, but as far as execution goes, I think it was very well done. Very well done. Um, number two, I'm gonna give to Final Fantasy XIV, and here's why. Now, I'm a big fan of XIV precisely because of its combat. I think its combat, it just does what it does so well to where you feel like you are, you are doing actions in a sense when a lot of times you're waiting and it's static. So it's like you set the action to go, the character pauses, and then as he pauses, as he pauses, you see the ATB line light up from like red to green, and then he makes his action as you're choosing your next action. So it feels almost instant, but it's kind of not, but it's so fluid you don't even notice. That was the final, that's the, uh, the MMO that really, really, really made me realize that there is a proper way to do an MMO where you could actually feel, I could play this solo. I could actually, I don't feel like I'm dependent on a healer in order to do just basic stuff. I used to, used to drive me crazy sitting around waiting for people because that's not what I like to do. I want to explore. And that was the first MMO because of the, because of the way the combat is set up that it let me adventure. And I think that that is to its benefit. The fact that it allows you to truly play an action turn-based hybrid style and still get that really like intense benefit I think it's just superb. I think it's great. So I'm gonna give it to Final Fantasy XIV. Okay, so top combat spot. Which Final Fantasy title has the best battle system? I would say it's Final Fantasy X. Haha, <laughs> now I know a lot of you have been waiting for this one to appear on this list at some point. Um, musically, it probably would be up there with the orchestra kind of but really it's the battle system final fantasy 10 in my opinion has the most perfect and perfectly executed version of that combat style that's trying to do so what it does is it does um turn-based combat so it's traditional however the enemies each have a particular weakness so heavier enemies require a heavy hand to kill them so if you come across a, a stone like goblin beetle then 
um, Oren, he has to be the one to attack it. If you need somebody to slice it quickly and fast, then it has to be Titus. If you need certain magic, it has to be Luna, so forth and so on. It takes the traditional, gives it more purpose, and adds the lightest bit of strategy. So, that's the combat that I feel like was executed perfectly for what it's trying to do. Not because it's my favorite, but for what it's trying to do. So what other bits and pieces are we gonna talk about next when it comes to which Final Fantasy game is the best? Well, stay tuned to this next segment. What a lot of you don't realize is that I'm a storyteller at heart. One of the things that I've done for a long time is I've written. I thought that I naturally wanted to be a writer first and foremost. Um, For years, I spent uh, reading everything I could get my hands on and that told me this is what you have to do in order to be a writer. So you would sit and you would write and you would write. And then you wouldn't worry about editing. You wouldn't worry about anything. It was just butt in chair. It was words on page. It was get your word count up. It was like lifting weights. That is kind of where I came from naturally. So prior to me indulging in my otakuness and really letting you guys know that I'm your otaku uncle. I thought I was going to be your literary uncle. I wrote several books. I tried to get published for several years. I have written quite a few short stories. I have read many books on writing and I indulged and I I, I had a good time. But I almost feel like ultimately maybe that's not the path where I'm going to start, where maybe the writing is going to go somewhere else and I'm supposed to sit and involve and be involved in what I'm involved in, take my time and let the chips unfold where they may. That's kind of the beautiful thing about life is that your path can only be determined so far because despite your plans and what you insist you should be doing, Sometimes the universe has other plans for you. All that being said is that I love fiction. I love stories. I love them. I would always say that when someone says, what do you like to read? And I'm talking to other writers. I would say it's not so much the, the fact that I read fiction. It's that I love a story. And I loved a good story when it came to anime and manga some of my favorite stories are in manga form most of my favorite stories are in manga form a lot of uh, fiction uh, i read a lot of fiction i watched some great movies but some of my favorite absolute stories are in the forms of video games specifically jrpgs when i was a young warthog <laughs> when I was a young warthog <laughs> no but like um, I would try and kind of explain to my father 
No, no, I was talking to my mom at the time. I was trying to tell her why I like JRPGs so much because she was like, oh, I just don't get it. You sit there and you play this game all day. You're, you're just in your room. You're just playing this game all day. And she was like, I don't get it. I don't understand. So I tried to let her know why I love the RPGs I played. And I told her it was like being in your own movie where it's not that you're just doing things, but there's a story, there's content, there's context to that content. There's action, there's drama, intrigue, backstabbing, romance, fear, sadness, lust, joy. There's all of that. That is why I love stories and all of that is in JRPGs so of course I'm going to love JRPGs especially a well told one so I indulged I dove head first into the stories and I didn't just play the game I was at the locations I lived in Midgar when I was first transported with Sephiroth and he was showing me, reminding me of the backstory that we shared together and the giant snake attacked me and I was knocked out, but he was fine. I felt fear and he revived me and I felt relief when I was traipsing when I was traipsing across the Giza Plains, trying desperately to find the last little bit so that I can just get out of this stinking castle, and then the next thing you know, I stumble into the sand seas. Finally, we escaped Rabanasta. I felt free. When me and my party traipsed across the hill in the intro, seeing all the scores of weapons scattered about, and we relayed that this is our story, and you may or may not know it, but this is how it really happened. A part of me saddened and melancholy took over, and I may or may not have cried. That's what I'm talking about. Story in these games is everything because these games are us. And we are feeling because we are experiencing. And we are experiencing because we are becoming. We are become JRPG. And that is why story is important to me. So this might be the most important category. It might be the most um, powerful category because without a good story, you don't have a good JRPG. You can have a shooter without a story. You can have an action game and a fighting game with something slapped together, but JRPGs at their core are story-driven games and the mechanics follow the story. The way you view the world follows the story. The music is dictated by the story. The battle mechanics 
are driven by the tale. That is the power of a JRPG story. And that is why I deem it the most important thing on the list. So when I have these memories of these different games and these ones that I played and I remember staying up late and I remember trying and wondering what was going to happen next and worrying for Titus and worrying for Zidane and Vivi and will Vivi ever be loved and on and on and on and will Tara ever get her memory back and it's it, it's the, the, the hooks inside my soul. The story within the JRPG is so important that um, to even accomplish one, when one has taken the time to really focus and create something and give something, um, it's, it's fantastic. The story provides the reason why we do the things that we do. That's contextual. It creates the tension even if you go to something like Pokemon where the story is very simple you want to be the best the best there ever was but you're going out on your own personal adventure and you're inter- you're encountering people and your rival is always one step ahead of you. So when you finally get to the Elite Four and you have to fight them and then he's there, it's context. The context of the rivalry, the context of the history you had with him. That is why the Pokemon story is so memorable. Like, Ash wouldn't be Ash without Gary Oak. That's just how it is. And... Cloud wouldn't be Cloud without Sephiroth. There's the protagonist and the antagonist um, dichotomy. That rivalry, that rivalry is very important when it comes to um, storytelling in a lot of senses. So I've kind of waxed on about the importance of story, at least as I see it. And why I love stories and why the stories within JRPGs are some of my favorite tales. I could just kind of go on and on about why I love storytelling in JRPGs. Why storytelling is so important. But I want to kind of get into the list because we've been running for quite some time. And I feel like this is going to put the final button on the final bit of my <laughs> my little perusal. So, top stories from Final Fantasy games. The best stories. And I'll try to be as objective as I possibly can. I'm going to give the third best to uh, Final Fantasy X. I think Final Fantasy X has a very solid story, but it is a uh, very sad story, but very good. It's very simple, it knows what it wants to do, it does it well, and it doesn't pull any punches. What it does is it makes you kind of be endeared to the characters. You kind of love them, you respect them, and you kind of worry. What makes it so interesting is kind of the unique setup. It creates a very vivid excuse for the video game world to exist. Here's what I mean by that. When you have something that's so fantastical, you kind of have to give a reason 
for that fantastical uh, nature of the world to seem like it belongs. You can't just say, and then a dragon showed up. You have to give some historical context or it throws us off because dragons are so absurd. They're so non-real that because they're so non-real, we want something to relate it to in a serious sense. What this game does is even though it's this weird world transporting fantastical setting, it says, here's the basics of it. There's a princess. She is a a priest and she has to go to these different locations, these different temples, and she has to pray there, quote unquote, to um, gain um, holy nature, holy power, what have you. Um, Very straightforward. And it gives you she needs guardians because the world is a dangerous place. So you have that context. You have the fact that there is um, a young man chasing his father's shadow, which is always a good story kickoff. You know, the greatest cowboys have daddy issues type deal. Um, the, the fact that she needs guardians, uh, that there are other priests, creates miniature rivalries. And the story wraps up very neatly in a nice button. Um, one of the things why I'm putting it at three instead of higher up is that the antagonist is a little soft. He's not quite as menacing. He's not quite as strong. He's not quite as intense as I would have preferred. But he still kind of fits that mold, but the story is driven well regardless. And because of the story, all the cast of characters are so rich and vivid. And I remember locations because of the people. I remember the airship I had because of the people from Waka's home village that were, uh, no, no, the people from Riku's village that were flying it. I remember the dialects and the, 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 the locations. We went to Waka's home village and they all talking like the accent man and that like they were half Jamaican half Hawaiian basically they were from Okinawa basically but that story is solid it's smooth it's great there's so many different characters every character has a motivation just not much of on the antagonist side so number two of the second I swear this is going to be the last best of list I do you know well famous last words but the second best story I'm going to give it to Final Fantasy 7. Yes, Final Fantasy 7, the one that changed the game, the most memorable, the most famous, the most important. They're making this crazy remake of it which comes out in March which I cannot wait to play. That game has a fantastic story. Um starting with the antagonist, he's probably the most memorable antagonist. Uh, within the the genre, he's probably the most um, uh, menacing and coolest antagonist throughout all of them. Other ones had some great potential if they had focused the story a little bit better, like Final Fantasy XII. I feel like the real antagonist should have been this other character than the guy Vane, who was just kind of eh, kind of a big bad. But if they had made the real protagonist, Bosch, then the antagonist, you guys get what I'm saying, he would have been fantastic. It would have had punch and impact. And they dropped the ball a little bit in 12 when it came to story progression because they inserted Vaughn into a story in which he didn't even exist. And that world was supposed to be Bosch. But they added Vaughn. Anyways, I talked about that before, Adelaide. So Final Fantasy VII has cloud 
the, the, the fallen ex-soldier with the lost memory who's trying to figure out what he wants to do. He's powerful. He's tough. He's cool. Everyone wants to be him. And yet he has to go through so much struggle. He's trying to figure out who he is and the turns that this story takes, the reveals. It was very Neon Genesis Evangelion when things started to get super wild and weird and trippy. One of the best. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, I think it's a fantastic story, and I think it's the second best. So, what am I going to pick as the best Final Fantasy story? Well, no fanfare. I'm picking Final Fantasy VIII. And you all can yell at me. You can write me letters. You can do anything you want. I do not care. Final Fantasy VIII is brilliant storytelling. It had so many things that were done so well that it's very underrated. It's the first Final Fantasy character where they actually established a a main character who's introverted in a way that actually functions how introverts function. He's very up in his head. He's constantly thinking. He's constantly worrying, even though people can't tell. And they're like, oh yeah, he's this cool guy. But in his own mind, he's, he, he's, he's struggling. And so that's why so many fans were like, oh, he's whiny. No, he's an introvert. You just were privy to his thoughts, which you really weren't with Final Fantasy VII. Second, they created the most lush and elaborately detailed world when it came to the gardens that I've really ever seen. It was so fully realized. It was such a unique concept. Schools where they're just training student mercenaries to go fight these battles for some reason that they don't really know, but they're all like, yeah, we got to get trained up and stuff. There's soldiers, there's seeds to the garden. And then when things start to break down, the story progresses, progresses, progresses. Now, the first half especially is just compelling and rich and intense because the, the, the direction of the villainy is so on point. The, the witch, Idea, and she compels and coerces and drags people down and takes the, the rival to the protagonist and pulls him into her web. And you just feel the connection against this character. And then there's the scenes with Laguna. This is why this game is unparalleled when it comes to story in the Final Fantasy genre. It's the subtlety and the things that they don't say, which the audience has to kind of piece together. So you are taking on this continuous backstory random journey for this whole other set of characters named Laguna and Kiros and um, what was that guy's name? The big guy. And you're like, why? Why are we wasting time with these other characters? But then you get involved in their journey and the man with the machine gun starts playing and now you don't care because the battle scenes are awesome. And oh, he has a whole new power set. And it's so interesting the way they subtly weave overarching themes throughout this side story and then when it leads to the crescendo where it's going it takes you on this wild weird adventure i could go on and on but final fantasy 8 is a fantastic story I'm not saying a perfect story but it is the best in this uncle hokage's opinion so those are my categories those are what i picked so drum roll please what is the best final fantasy jrpg Stay tuned. In the mid-90s, 
I went through periods where things weren't going so great socially. Things weren't going so good scholastically or athletically. I was lost, quite confused, and very often I was lonely. Days would go by where I'd wander my school campus, going from place to place, not really knowing where I fit in, what I should do, who I should talk to, if I was allowed to talk to anybody. And I would spend hours just alone in my room, not really knowing how I felt about most things until I would get caught up in my own self-doubt and my own frustration and my own isolation, fear, wandering thoughts. And then my buddy, because I had some buddies, we would always get each other small little presents and small little gifts at Christmas time because we were still friends no matter what. And I may have had a hard year but we were still buddies. Well, he knew I liked Final Fantasy, so he got me a uh, used copy of Final Fantasy VIII for the PlayStation 1. And the, uh, the copy was kind of, kind of worn. I don't even remember if it came with the manual. I think it did, but the manual was creased. The casing was warped, so the disc wouldn't sit in it properly. And to this day, um, that disc will always find itself on the opposite side uh, (laughs) of the location. But I popped that game in, and I played, and I played, and I just kind of woke up a little bit. And it wasn't like I had a big revelation or anything, but for the moment, no matter what was going on, whether I was doing good in my social scholastic environment that day, or whether I was doing bad that day, um, I could always go back to the garden. I could always go back to the world and draw some more magic and, 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 and try and find some new uh, cards and other things. And for those two, three hours, I was whole. I was myself. I was me. Several years later, I was living in California and I didn't really have any money. I had friends. I had fun. I could go out whenever I wanted. I could kind of do my own thing but I had no direction I was wandering I was working at uh, random jobs I was waiting tables I was going to random events I was trying to get into cool parties I was not getting into parties and one day I just went across the street and I bought myself an Xbox 360 that I couldn't afford so I sold it for the rent money and bought Final Fantasy 12. And I had been putting it off because it had been getting a lot of backlash from fans and then kind of like mixed reviews and then I just kind of fell into it. And 
I would just sit for hours and I would play. And as I played, I just developed a love for writing and I wrote a book. And I would play and I would read a ton of manga and I would play and I would explore. And during those long hours so far away from home, so far away from Texas and my family, I felt like myself. I felt like me. Now, every Final Fantasy game doesn't have that crazy emotional context for me, but those do. They're more than just games to me. They're a part of um, salvation. They're my existence in RPG form. They're a reality where I can be who I actually am as opposed to who I'm imitating. That's why these games are important. So if I'm going to pick the best game, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. And I know that that's a cop-out, but I honestly don't care. Because the best Final Fantasy is the one that saves your life. It's the one that you dream about when you close your eyes. It's the one you tell your, your, your mother about excitedly when she couldn't care less. It's the one you get for your kids to play when they grow up. That's the best Final Fantasy. And I know that if I'm so lucky to have a family, if I'm so lucky to talk about these games for a while, if I'm so lucky to speak to anybody with any interest and they're thinking about playing a game or not, I'm going to tell them about Final Fantasy because they are the best games, all of them. I'm Uncle Hokage, your otaku uncle. Thank you for listening.